So here we're doing in the Holy Letters of the Rebbe, in volume 9, and we're doing letter number 2832, and the Rebbe's address in dated Baruch Hashem, the 26th day of Tammuz Tavshidal, Brooklyn. The Rebbe's addressing the Rebbe Chosid, with title is Chaim Moshe Weber. He was also a uh, an older uh, Chosid scholar, lived in Jerusalem. I actually studied with him a little bit when I was in Jerusalem. I mean, he has since passed for a while ago. But uh, the Rebbe says, Shalom of Rocha. The Rebbe says, I'm responding to your letter dated the 17th of Tammuz. May it be turned around very quickly for joy and happiness. I enjoyed this that you write about the impact that is visible in the students that learn in the afternoons. Even though you're not writing specifically from which school, but the Rebbe says you will fill in these in the next opportunity. And the Rebbe says you should never be satisfied. For sure you won't be satisfied with that what you have accomplished till now, what you have done till now. On the contrary, you can learn a foratory. The Rebbe has used this argument several times before that if with the effort that was up till now, you already see the results, you see fruits. So for sure, when you're going to work with more diligence, with the necessary diligence, so then you will see even more, then you will see even more results, both in the quantity and in the quality, fruits, and then the fruits will bear further fruits till the end of the world. And as the Rebbe said also many times, end of the world means as explained the Hasidus, until we complete all the obscurities and obstacles will be cleared. That's the result that's going to be when you, from what you're doing. So basically the Rebbe's argument was a foratory. The Rebbe is saying, look, you did, the Rebbe doesn't say a little, that it be a lot, but the Rebbe says, whatever you did, you still have done, relatively speaking, not so much. And yet you see how the results and the fruits, but the Rebbe says, the Rebbe's argument is always, if with a little bit of effort, if with the effort now, look how successful you are. So if you give it the proper energy, you'll get fruits and fruits and fruits from the fruits till the end of the world or till the end of breakthrough all obstacles. He asked the Rebbe uh, a question that it says in Hasidus that Mashiach will be have an advantage even over Moshe Rabbeinu. So, that seems to go against, it brings various sources for that, but this seems to go against what we know that no other person 
has gone up to the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. We know it says, in the Pasuk it says, Lekom Novi Kamayu, there's not a prophet that got up like Moshe Rabbeinu. So we know that nobody can match up to Moshe Rabbeinu. How do we say that Mashiach will be even greater than Moshe Rabbeinu? And the Rebbe says there are various aspects. Yes, in some aspects when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to some matters, Moshe Rabbeinu is at the highest levels. But there's uh, a certain area in which Mashiach will be great. So the Rebbe says there are various different aspects about this, which is you have prophecy, you have kingdom, and you have the knowledge of Torah. Those are the Rebbe mentions, etc., etc. The Rebbe mentions three main categories. So this that we say that there was nobody else that has come up as great as Moshe, that is agreed to as far as prophecy goes. As brought down in the Rambam, in the laws of Tshuva, there are references certain, and also in Rosh Hashanah. However, when we talk about a king, yes, there could be a king that is greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Rebbe is quoting from the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, the Malachim Kav. Over there in the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, it says that when it says over there, there's a, there's questionable, but because it says as far as the Navi, there is um, an agreement. Everybody says that there is no Navi like Moshe Rabbeinu. A prophet, Moshe was the biggest prophet. But, but there's another opinion that says, but uh, that Benevim Lakom, Bimlochim come, that in kingdom there is somebody like him. Uh, so, all these matters, Rebbe says, but the question is who has a greater soul? When we talk about the greatness of the soul, the soul of Mashiach is greater. And because Mashiach has a greater soul, so that's why it doesn't conflict that when we talk about the study of Torah, especially Mashiach will reveal the esoteric part of Torah, which is called in the language of the prophet, Yishakenu let him kiss me from the kisses of his mouth. This kiss is referring to the esoteric parts of the Torah, which is Pneumius Torah, which is the Yechida of Torah, which is the one, the, the sort of the highest level in Torah. And that fits with Mashiach, who is the general, he is the Yechida of the general world. Moshe Rabbeinu belongs to the level of Chaya. So by the soul, we have five levels of the soul. Each soul has those five levels. It's called Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. 
Those are the names of the souls. They represent various different levels of the soul. The part of the souls, some of it comes down into the body. Part of the souls remain above. It doesn't really come down. It's still part of your soul. So when we talk about the general souls, Moshe is considered to be the level of Yechida, Amichaya. And Moshiach is level Yechida. The highest part of soul is Moshiach. And Can Rebbe brings in the Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. Oh, thank you. Uh, and the Rebbe brings down the various uh, different sources and also in the Gemara says, Le-yoda Omri. Or in the Menachah says that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he came up to the uh, to the high, to the to the um, to the heavens, you know, to get the Torah. So he sees that Rabbi Akiva, he was expounding on the various different uh, crowns of the Torah, and the Re- Hashem brought him back. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu could not understand what they were talking over there. That means that Moshe Rabbeinu had certain limitation in his knowledge of Torah. That's why the Rebbe brings this from uh, the Gemara of Menachos over there. So that means when it comes, since Moshiach had a greater soul, his soul from the level of Yechida, he was able to even in Torah, in the esoteric parts of Torah, to be in a way uh, higher and more and beyond the Torah of Mashiach, which is, of Moshe, which is considered to be the Chaya, and Mashiach is supposed to be considered to be the Yechida. Basically, just to sum it up in 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 in, in, in simple words, uh, that when we talk about Mashiach has an advantage over Moshe Rabbeinu, that depends relative to what we are talking about. Uh, while we know that nobody is as great as Moshe, but that is referring to specifically to prophecy. As far as kingdom, as far as knowledge in Torah, not necessarily. And the Rebbe brings out that actually Moshiach level of Torah, which is the esoteric part of Torah, is actually in a higher level than Moshe Rabbeinu. While Moshe Rabbeinu taught us the Torah, but he taught us the revealed part of Torah. And he is from the level of Chaya, but the level of Mashiach is even on a higher level. Another point, I mean, this needs to be a star, another, another part uh, needs to be studied further, but we'll go on. Now we had already a practical question. You know, in a lot of shuls, uh, they were a talus. Uh, even by Mincha or Mariv, they were a talus. Uh, but in Chabad, it's, a, it's not the custom. We don't wear no talus. But of course, uh, uh, the question becomes, what happens when a, a student who's not married, who doesn't normally wear a talus, what happens when they lead services? So in many shuls, they'll give the 
student at Talos. So he is asking the Rebbe when the one who's leading the, the, the services is a student, is a Bachor, is not married, does he need to put on a Talos? So as far as Mincha Mariv, so the Rebbe says, for sure you know, it's already been quoted in the Yom Yom, that in Minak Lubavitches, that we don't wear a talus for Mincha Mariv. So what about the morning prayers? What about Shachris? So the Rebbe says, here in the Yeshiva, they're not particular about that. And the Rebbe says, I think that in Rastov, that was the yeshiva that was after Lubavitch, they moved the yeshiva to Rastov. Then later on, they actually moved the yeshiva in Atvotsk. Atvotsk. Uh, after they left Russia, when the previous level, they changed the yeshiva went to Atvotsk, Aswotsk. That's where the yeshiva went to in Lithuania. And the Rebbe says that it, I, I, I believe, I think that they weren't particular about it in the Rostov and in Atvotsk, etc., etc. So the Rebbe says, since they weren't particularly, so why should we go in, put on a talus? And then we have to make a question about the bracha, because if you borrow a talus, you don't have to make a bracha. But on the other hand, the Rebbe says, if in the traditions of Jerusalem it would be something surprising, it's not worth it to start an argument about putting on talus through the shliach tzibur in the morning services. But if there is no machlokis about this, then the Rebbe says it's proper to keep the minig above and the Rebbe refers to him to Sukkah Beis, Soif Lamed Beis. Over there it says, over there it talks about that the Rabbi were thinking which uh, Hadas, the uh, myrtle, whether you need three coming out of the same stem or two and one. So three is for sure good, but the student of the Rabbi who said two and one he would always look for two and one. Why did he look for two and one? Three is good for sure. My rabbi said it was good. I wanted to prove him right. So I'm going to use the one that my rabbi said. Mm-hmm. The Gemara says, He would look specifically. So therefore, if it's going to make a machlokes, Rabbi says, okay, let go. Shakras you can put on a talus. Not minchamar, because that has issues, other issues. But if there is no machlokis, stick to the minig the way they used to do it, and do not, and they should keep the minig of not putting on a talus. Unless it causes uh, a fight, a machlokis, then don't get involved in the fight. Uh, so, the Rebbe says, there's another question over here. It quotes a question, can does a person have a choice to commit a crime like kill another person? One who is not really 
liable for death. Can a person choose to kill somebody else? So the Orachayim HaKadosh, Orachayim, he's a commentary on the Chum, a very uh, special rabbi. He writes that a person who has choices is able to kill someone who is not really guilty of dying. He shouldn't be dying. He chose to kill him. But he's asking the Rebbe, this Rebbe Weber, but this seems to go against what the Alter Rebbe writes in Igeris HaKodesh. He writes that nobody can do anything if it wasn't chosen by Hashem. So if somebody does something wrong to you, even though they have to pay a penalty for their bad choices, what they chose to do bad, but yet the person who was impacted by their bad choices, it would come to him anyways. So therefore, he need not get angry or upset because nobody can do anything to you what is not destined from Hashem. And if it happened to you, that means that it was destined to happen. So while it doesn't excuse the other person for doing it, but the Alter Rebbe writes that nothing happens to you without being destined by Hashem. So he's asking the Rebbe that these two rabbis, that the Alter Rebbe and the Geras HaKodesh, seems to be going against what the Orachim says, that a person who has choices can make a bad choice and kill someone who does not deserve that. So the Rebbe says, well, these are two opinions. He says, Gabra, Gabra Karamis. That's what the Orachim says, and the Alter Rebbe disagrees. So it's a difference of opinion. However, the Rebbe says that wouldn't be a problem, but the Rebbe says there is a problem from what it's written in the Zohar, Chelik Aleph, and also uh, from the Pasik. Basically, in that Pasik, it says that, you know, they were being attacked, uh, being attacked. So David said, and they had a choice to either die in the hands of Hashem or have the people, you know, kill him. Uh, they were killing them. So he said, David says to God, the Navi, he says to him, this is very difficult. We'd rather fall in the hands of Hashem because Hashem has compassion and not to fall in the hands of people. So it seems like uh, things could happen to them, that people that have choices can do, that can torture them, can do other things to them, which is, more, which is worse than dying by the hands of Hashem. But if nobody can do to you anything, what's not destined to you, so what difference is it going to make? Nobody's going to be able to do to you that which is not coming to you. So the Rebbe says, maybe we can say, the Rebbe explains this, that we can say, you know, and the Gemara says that if a person does a mitzvah, then the mitzvah protects him. So when you're in the process of doing a mitzvah, then you're not going to get hurt. But the Gemara questions that because it seems like somebody was checking the chametz and then he lost 
an object, so he was in the middle of busy a mitzvah, and he had a loss, so there is, he got hurt doing a mitzvah. And the Gemara says that if you're standing in a place of danger, so sometimes when you're in a place of danger, so then the the Sutton comes and criticizes. In other words, if you find yourself in a dangerous place, some very interesting things over here that we need to elaborate, but uh, when a person finds himself in a dangerous place, and uh, so at that time, the forces that want to criticize the person in the heavenly court say, ah, that guy has to be punished. Why? He's done things wrong. But those forces are more prevalent when the person is in a place of danger because it's sort of easy to get back at him at that point because he's already in a place of danger. So the Gemara basically says that, of course, it's going to be up to Hashem to decide. Nothing is going to happen by himself. It's going to be the ruling of Hashem. But when you're in a dangerous place, so we're telling a person, hey, don't go into a dangerous place. Don't say, I'm going to go, Hashem is going to protect me. If you see that there is a wall falling down, don't go underneath it and say, well, I'm doing a mitzvah and therefore the wall is not going to fall on me. I'm not going to get hurt. Don't do that. Because you might get hurt because the ruling might come out at that point that you should get hurt because you are in a place of danger. So the Rebbe says in similar cases, you're in danger, more danger, when you are dealing with a person who has choices, uh, more than when we're dealing with an animal. An animal instinctively uh, as the uh, Tanya brings down and the Rechaim from the Pasuk, Hashem puts the fear of people in animals, normally. Human beings don't have that natural fear. So, when you're facing an animal, even if you have a little bit of a privilege, the animal is not going to hurt you. But when you talk about people, especially when you talk Jewish people who have real freedom of choice, you can be in danger. So, but basically what the Rebbe is saying that we don't want to fall in the hands of people because, not because the people can do something to you that is not destined from Hashem, but the people, because they could be in a way of uh, they have a choice, it's more dangerous to be a bab between them. So you'd rather fall in the hands of Hashem than in the hands of people because the people might do something bad to you, not because they can do something without Hashem's ruling, but Hashem may rule against you at that point. So if a person doesn't have a merit to save him, a big merit, if he's in the presence of uh, animals, he doesn't need, he's not going to get hurt. But if he's in presence of people, especially Jewish people, could be more hurt. So, 
Therefore, that's what I explained. The Rebbe also says that perhaps we can also squeeze this in in the language of the Erechayim and in the interpretation of the Rabbeinu Hananel to Chagiga over there. And the Rebbe says further to look in another saying, and what it's written at Yom Yom, third of Cheshmer. Again, this needs to be, it's more scholarly and more learned. We touched on a lot of different philosophical and uh, matters of belief and uh, emuna. But just to recap quickly, we have to finish. So first, Rebbe says to him, I'm very pleased what you're doing with the students. Increase. If you do it a little bit, you were so successful, do more. Uh, the Rebbe is thinking about is Mashiach bigger than Moshe Rabbeinu? The Rebbe says in some aspect Mashiach is greatest. That's as far as prophecy goes. As far as kingdom, there is questionable. As far as Torah, actually Mashiach is greater. Mashiach will refer will reveal a higher level of Torah. Mashiach is the level of Yechida, the highest level, where Moshe is level of Chaya. A student should not wear a talis. Certainly, Mincha Ma'ariv, nobody wears a talis, but even for Shachris, unless it makes a machlokis. But other than that, in the Chabad, the Bachrim did not wear talisim and the yeshiva, so they should stay without the talis. And then we come into this philosophical question can somebody do something? You kill a person, the person has a free choice, kill somebody who is not destined to be killed, it seems like in the Tanya nothing happens without Hashem. So, how do we reconcile this with the Orachayim, with the Zohar, then with the Pasuk that says, seems like a person could do worse to you? And basically, Rebbe says, no, everything comes from Hashem at the end, but uh, sometimes, if you're around people that want to do bad to you, the ruling is going to be against you because of things that you may have done or the lack of privilege, but it's still everything from Hashem. Rabbi says maybe this can be fixed in. There's other areas that need to be verified, but we're out of time and it's beyond the scope and we'll leave this for another time.